Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA. Today's guest is the iconic Lacey Skulls from Rock of Love. You remember her as the one with red hair that was a total awful asshole to everybody? Well, as you'll find out in this conversation, that was a little bit of an act. She's playing a character, and she now has a great podcast for anybody like me who is a fan of 2000s reality TV called Talk of Love. Check that out on YouTube and Spotify, everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And stay tuned for a conversation about that, about what it's like to be on a reality TV show and more. Before we get into that, there's a couple ways that you can support the show if you would like to. Number one, you can share it on social media. Number two, you can buy some merch. There's a link to that in the show notes. Number three, you can support us on Patreon. And also, I wanted to mention the brand new Discord. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. We're up to, I think, almost 1,500 members now. So check that out if you're a Discord-type person. I'm in there all the time. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From Garden of Eyes, do you have any plans to stream on Twitch slash YouTube? And if so, what kind of content would you stream? Yes, I do. I think I'm going to do it on Twitch uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because that's kind of what the platform is for. So, you know, if anybody is on there, then they want to see streaming, which is not true of YouTube. A lot of creators hurt their channel by streaming too much. And if that's not what their audience wants, that can actually uh, kind of hurt the way the algorithm looks at your content. So I think I'd probably do it on Twitch. It's also easier to monetize on Twitch. But, you know, I'm going to try things. We'll see. I'm open to ideas there because I'm not an expert on streaming. Uh, the second part is, if so, what kind of content would you stream? I don't know the answer to that yet either, but I think what I want to do is something along the lines of what Shane Smith does. Like he calls it a friend simulator. And I think that's what I would do. Like, you know, react to some YouTube videos, play some video games, like just sit around bullshitting with people. Just the kind of stuff you do if you're hanging out with your friends, I think is kind of what I had in mind. But again, I'm not an expert. I'll try stuff. You know, streaming is not my forte, uh, but I think it would be foolish of me to ignore it now since it's only getting bigger. So yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Maybe by the time you hear this, I will have started streaming. We'll see. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Lacey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for this. Hi, Finn. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super stoked as well. Well, you know, I never would have thought uh, watching Rock of Love 12 or 13 years ago or whatever it is, uh, I never would have thought in 2021 I would find myself talking to to Lacey, but here we are. <laughs> well, I never thought I would find myself talking to Finn, so there you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> probably the, the main question people would have, I mean, there's a lot of specifics I want to ask you about, but the, the main question people I think probably have is what have you been up to since then? I know there's a lot to cover, but tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, there definitely is a lot to cover. So Rock of Love was, what, 2007? Yes, Charm School is 2008. In 2010, I went on tour as the singer of one of my all-time favorite bands, Lords of Acid. So that was a really 
cool, fun experience. I also started my own dog rescue organization, Heroes Canine Rescue, 2012. I actually managed to trick a guy into marrying me. That happened. So I have the world's best husband and uh, we've been married, God, what, like eight, nine years now. Now I have my own podcast. Cool. Well, I feel like you skipped over a lot of stuff. Let's let's get into detail <laughs> here because I know, you know, as you pointed out on the show, you know, you've been in bands and stuff. Tell us a little bit more uh, about that. I think you were in an Escape the Fate video, if I'm correct. Yes, I was. I wasn't actually playing music in um, Escape the Fate, but yeah, uh, they reached out to me. What was that? That was 2012, I believe. They reached out to me and they're like, hey, we're we're basically making a music video. Uh, it's for their song, You're Insane. So of course they thought of me. And and they made it, they wanted uh, to make a video about a reality star who kind of started out as like a Joe Schmo off the street and then you know got into reality television and blew up to become this like big giant celebrity. And then it, she ended up becoming addicted to drugs and made a huge mess of her life. And then uh, at the end of the video, she ends up like having her kid taken away from her and she crashes and burns. So um, I played that role. It was a lot of fun. And the guys in Escape the Fate were super, super nice. And it was funny because after the video was done filming, the director of the video came up to me. He's like, can I be honest with you about something, Lacey? And I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, when they first told me that it was going to be Lacey from Rock of Love that we're, I was going to be having to work with, he's like, I was a little scared. But he's like, you were actually very pleasant to work with. And I'm like, I, I usually am. So yeah, doing the Escape the Fate video was really fun. I started out doing music. I mean, I've been doing music my whole life. We've always had pianos in the house and guitars and different instruments. When I was 18, I decided I wanted to be a rock and roll star. My first gig ever in my life was opening for Marilyn Manson in Dallas, Texas at a club called Trees, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. This was before he was mainstream then? Well, he had just kind of become known to the public. He had done, it was a 94 and right. um, he just toured with Nine Inch Nails, did a big stage. I think it was for the Downward Spiral tour. And then this was his first club tour after that. So, um, so yeah, I was a local opener in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and um, I had a band called Nocturne. I did the Nocturne thing for like a good 10 years. Um, we did pretty well at like a, you know, I mean, we played like thousand person venues and stuff like that. And we never got past that, but that was like a great place for me to be. I was able to just do my own music. I didn't have to write any kind of particular music that, you know, a, a, you know, appease record labels or whatever, but we toured with like, Mushroom Head, Dope, King Diamond, like all kinds of different bands. So it was really fun. Gotcha. The other question I think people would have, you know, I don't know you well. We've talked a little bit, but you seem like a very pleasant, reasonable person, uh, which you definitely don't seem like on the show. <laughs> how much of that is playing a character or editing or how much of that is you growing or tell me about that? So I talk about this a lot on the podcast, which we'll get into in a minute. When I was asked to do rock of love. I sort of fell ass backwards into it. They were looking for rocker chicks and the casting director knew of me and knew that I was touring and had a band and all that. And so when he invited me to do it, I knew flavor of love because I was a always a big fan of Flavor Flav. I love Public Enemy. I watched Surreal Life, you know, obviously like Vince Neil was on there and a bunch of other of my favorites. So I knew of the shows and I knew that Rock of Love was going to be the same production company as something similar. But I, at first I was like, 
you know, I don't know my music career. People are going to take me seriously if I do reality television. And um, the casting director was like, you know what, just, just audition, just audition for it. And if you get it, you can always say no. And so he talked me into auditioning. I got it. Um, I got the part. And then when I, I was trying to decide if I should do it, I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like how often do you get opportunities like this, you know? And I'm like, so I went ahead and I took the part and I was like, and, and besides like my whole, like, Oh, people take me seriously. That that's just like my ego talking, you know? Yeah. And so I was, I was like, and if they don't, they don't, who cares? You know? So I, um, I did the show, but as soon as I got on there, I, I knew I, because I'd watched flavor of love, I had watched the creation of the woman, New York, Tiffany Pollard and saw how she did navigated the whole thing. And so I was like, man, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this. And so I purposely set out to, to be the villain character. As soon as I started doing that, the producers would like literally pull me aside. And I remember the first time they did this, I actually thought I was like in trouble, like <laughs> in school. <laughs> like, uh oh, the principal is coming to talk to me. But the producers were like, Lacey, this is amazing. You're doing such a great job. Please keep it up. You know, all your You're being antics. really obnoxious. Keep it up. Yeah, I know. What else in life do you get encouraged to be an asshole? So, um, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to do the villain thing. And um, I had a lot of fun with it because of that i got asked to do a cameo in season two and season three i did charm school with sharon osborne which was really fun so in a weird sort of way that crazy villain character that everybody loved to hate really helped me out and opened a lot of doors for me i believe it i mean i think about you know in the first couple rounds of eliminations there's whatever like on any of these reality shows there's like 10 people who get eliminated that are probably perfectly nice cool people but being a nice, cool person is not necessarily good TV. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the funny thing is I still had my own little rules, my, my own little morals for myself within my villain character. Like, for instance, I was never going to attack anybody for what they look like, you know, call them, you know, ugly or unattractive. I was never going to attack anybody because of their weight. I was never going to attack anybody's family members or parenting skills or anything like that. So I still had my own little rules for myself. And my whole thing is I wanted to do it in such a way that I, my husband actually totally compares me to, um, Bugs Bunny. He's like, you're Bugs Bunny and everybody else is Daffy Duck. And every time they go to shoot you, they end up like blasting off their own bill off their face. I'm like, that's kind of true. So I kind of wanted to be like an annoying prankster. I didn't, what I didn't want was it to turn into like what I call a Jerry Springer thing where, you know, girls are just, you know, in each other's faces screaming, throwing like, shoes and right, right. Exactly. And in fact, I had a couple of girls like toss me around a couple of times and I'm like, I'm not going to throw punches. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I noticed that watching the show again, you know, when I made my video, I was like, you know, if this show was happening now, there'd be a lot of physical altercations and there really weren't. Yeah, that's true. Well, we were told in the contract, but also by producers that if anybody was violent, they would be eliminated and sent home. So that was a, a big one for the producers. And you don't really, as, as far as the 51 Minds, which is the production company that does the Of Love shows, as far as that production company goes, you don't see a lot of violence. So um, they, they were pretty good at keeping that, you know. Well, I think the standards have changed now too, especially like after Love and Hip Hop, you know, people, people want things to be as over the top now like we have an appetite for violence basically that i think didn't exist you know rock of love is actually pretty tame it's like pg-13 really you know 
compared to the kind of stuff that happens with entertainers now with people shooting each other and stuff. I mean, I feel like the standards for what audiences expect, you know, they want blood now. It's it's kind of sad in a way. I completely agree with you. And in fact, as much as I, I love a lot of reality shows, I'm like a huge fan of Survivor. And um, I can't watch a lot of the really popular reality shows like that, the the Real Housewives, stuff like that. I can't watch it because it like- too nasty. Makes me it's too nasty. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so I can pay it a little lot, but I can't handle the real housewives. Well, there so, you go. Lacey, yeah. <laughs> the infamous Lacey says that reality TV is too nasty now. But I, I I agree. I see what you mean. Yeah. I couldn't do like Bad Girls Club or anything like that. That's not that's not for me. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I had Melissa Green from Millionaires who was on Bad Girls Club with her sister for a couple episodes. And they said the same thing. They quit after a couple episodes because as much as they have a reputation for being obnoxious, too, they were like, well, yeah, but we're not mean people. We're just like playing the part of like obnoxious party girls. We're not actually like hateful, mean people. And the other people on the show were and they just felt uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like there's, you know, there's got to be more to entertainment besides just people absolutely annihilating each other. You know, I, I still like, you know, good competition and I'm all about like, you know, roasting people and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I, I think there's got to be uh, a limit. And in fact, my the, the shows that I was a part of, the of love shows, the whole entire franchise was brought down. I was on the infamous canceled I Love Money season three because the winner murdered his wife two days or two weeks after the show got done taping. Right, so right. that was like sort of the end of the whole entire franchise, which was huge at the time. I mean, I think three quarters of all VH1 shows were 51 Minds productions. I mean, they I were owning it. it. Yeah. Rock of Love was the number one rated show in all VH1 history at the time that it aired. And one of the final episodes even beat out the Emmys. I mean, it was huge. But when that happened, that that, that guy murdered his wife, I mean, that just like not only ended all those shows, but it, it ended an empire. It, it did. It did. Yeah. And, I, and for anybody younger who's listening, it's really hard to under understate or overstate rather how big those shows were and how big like VH1 reality was at the time. It was like TikTok of of the late 2000s. That <laughs> that's, big. A, that's a good uh, yeah way to describe it. Kind of the pop culture touchstone. Well, speaking of which, let's let's talk about the podcast that you've been doing, Talk of Love. How do you describe that to people and what got you started doing that? It's basically a way for the fans of these reality shows to get caught up on all of their favorite former reality stars and to see how everybody's doing, what they look like, but also to get all the behind the scenes tea, as they say. And we talk a lot about the producers. And so it really is to help people get a real thorough understanding of how these shows work, how they operate, how much of it is real, how much of it is manipulated by producers. Uh, and it gives people a really clear insight into how these shows work. Um, plus, it's just like it's bringing about people that, you know, I always say like these reality stars, you you kind of know them like on a one dimensional level. And and I have this funny thing where I'm like, I feel like like when the show is over, that person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And like and like, of course, they still exist, you know, but it's interesting because you get to see like, who is this person really? And it really um, I, I'm pretty good at getting people to open up and, you know, they talk about their lives, their journeys, like who they really are. They also tell you, like, update you on their, you know, current career or their spouse or whatever. So 
it's pretty cool for, for fans who really dig these shows. You get a real thorough insight into them. Because, you know, most of these shows were before social media as we know it. I mean, there was MySpace, but not not like we know it. So we really don't have a window into the lives of most of these people. So I think it's cool that you're, you know, you're 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 doing that for, I mean, tens, if not hundreds of millions of people watch these shows and you know, there is a huge audience for this stuff, as you've discovered. Yeah, well, you were, you were also asking, you know, how we got started. And the thing is, we started in literally like a couple of months before everything shut down for the pandemic, which was an interesting coincidence. I, I actually attribute that to being helpful to the podcast. People were looking for something to do. But really, um, what my thoughts were behind doing this podcast was I'm watching these um streaming services, you know, Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and Pluto TV. And there's like so many different ones now. And they're all re-airing these of love shows, you know, and then VH1 for a while was also re-airing them and doing marathons like every Valentine's Day. So it's really funny because, you know, I used to get the joke of like, you know, oh, enjoy your 15 minutes of fame. But here we are almost 15 years later and these shows are still super popular. And not only is it like the old school fans, the original fans are continuing like, you know, they're ha- they, what I hear is that they're having like a nostalgia factor. Like it's making like in all the craziness in the world, it's taking them back to, you know, times when things are a little easier. And also then you get uh, a whole new group of fans. It's the people who were too young when the fa- when the shows first aired. So they're, you know, digging it as well. So it's, it's interesting how this is. I would have never in a million years guessed that these shows would maintain that longevity, but they certainly have. So that's why I did the podcast for that reason. So did you did you realize how much of a fandom they still had? Or is that something you discovered after launching it? That's definitely something I discovered after launching it. And what's here's what's really crazy and what makes me really happy. Um, a lot of people have written to me and have said like, you know, this podcast is like, has helped me with my anxiety. This podcast has helped me with like my depression and that sort of thing. And I was confused by that at first, but um, I was talking to my husband about it and he, he has several different podcasts that he loves. Um, and he's like, no, that's what happens. He's like, if I'm ever feeling anxious, I'll just like put on, you know, what feels like a familiar voice and it's, it's, it's helpful. So that makes me feel good. And also anybody who tunes into the podcast that is expecting like rock of love, Lacey, unfortunately, you're not going to get that, but people still dig it though. Like I, I keep it really positive. I'm all about empowerment. And, and the only reason is because in 2007, I feel like we could afford to have a villain. Like there, like things were pretty good. The housing market crash hadn't even happened yet. But now there's just like so much awful shit. Uh, we like, do not need more negative right. stimulus. Yeah, exactly. So I really, you know, we don't bash people on the podcast. Like we, you know, I might go like I'm not a fan of this person or yeah. that person, but we keep it, we keep it fun, light, positive, and empowering. And I also talk about like, you know, activism and things that matter to me as well. So yeah, that's what we're all about. Well, on that note, I do have to ask one potentially negative question. Yeah. Rock of Love makes Brett seem like a real dildo who is incapable of like emotionally connecting with a woman in any kind of meaningful way. As somebody who was there, what is your reaction to that? Well, I will tell you that the producers definitely have a had a really big hand in shaping the way that the narrative of the show was. They they definitely had like a clear idea of what they wanted and they would they would guide us, you know. So what what kind of things would they do to make that narrative happen? In the confessionals only. They they didn't do this when we were like filming the show, but only when, you know, in the confessionals when we're talking to the cameras. Sometimes they would like feed us lines 
you know, that, or if they weren't feeding us lines, they were asking guided questions. Leading questions. Yes, exactly. And so what I'll say about Brett is- Like I just did. <laughs> exactly. So you'd be a great producer. Yeah. Uh, so I will say this. What I really like about him is he's very, very humble. He's very, very nice. Um, I remember he came- to Las Vegas, which is where I live, uh, to do a show about a year before the pandemic hit. My husband and I went out, he hooked us up with not only tickets, but like, like backstage passes. My husband got to meet him. Brett was like super nice to my husband. It was, it was really cool. Um, I, what Brett did something actually, I don't even think he realizes how helpful this was for me, but about the first week or maybe not even that into the filming of rock of love, there was a moment where I was with Brett and there was no other girls around. So I just, I like, I had him to myself for a minute. The cameras were there and I knew that what I was about to ask him would not be aired, but I, I, I didn't care. I needed to ask him this question because I needed to, to get my game plan of like, is this really the right thing to do this villain character thing? I, I said to him, I go, so Brett, I was like, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. I said, you really don't have a girlfriend, like really for real, for real. And he's like, wow. wow. And I'm like, there you go. He goes, he goes, I, I, I am in, this is his exact words. I'm in an on again, off again relationship with the mother of my children. And um, so you're like, like, all right then. So we're just here to have a TV a great show. show. And yeah. I can, so, and I can just do what it takes to make good entertainment and I don't have to feel bad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was incredibly helpful for me to feel confident in my journey of sure. being a villain. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't seem like a bad guy at all. It just seems like he's literally incapable of like having that kind of a connection with people. And that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's typical of a lot of like high achievers like him. It just seems like he just doesn't have the ability to like connect with people in that way. I totally see your perspective and you might be right. I can't, I can't attest to that one way or the other. I, I do know that um, I've never heard a complaint about him. There's no me too stories no, like no, as no. douchey as he, as he could be. Yeah. Speaking of that, I often wonder if that show could have even aired at all in the exact way that it is, if that could have even aired. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. That, so I, I think that they did a pretty damn good job of getting right up to that line of, of like inappropriateness or offensiveness without crossing over, which I can appreciate. And another thing I appreciate about him is that he, he never slut shamed the girls. And as yep, much as true. that was like, the popular thing to do back then. Um, and one of the funniest things that we always got was um, people always said that we had STDs. So that was always the, 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 the main insult was that yeah. we had STDs. And the funny part about that is that we actually had to get STD tested before um, we were able to, you know, to do the show. Be on the show. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, but so anyway, there was a lot of slut shaming going on back then and he, I mean, he easily could have fallen into that and he he never, ever did. And in fact, in most interviews that I've heard, he's always given the girls credit for the success of the show. So I, I get where you're coming from. And as I said, you might be right. And that is what it looks like. But I, I, I only know him on a superficial sure. level. Well, I mean, know him better than I do. Well, <laughs> that's true. But, he, you know, he was always a nice guy. Yeah, he said some kind of like, hey, like cringy kind of things on the show, looking back at it now. But also like this was 10 years ago. So the times are quite different. Yeah. Well, you know what I think a lot of these show the the of love shows in particular do right is they they realize that even though Brett or whoever else or or Flavor Love Flavor Flav might be the the headline name, 
the real stars of the show are the girls. Well, I will say this. I know, I know even, even like on, on a deeper level, what a great job they did in casting because of the podcast, everybody I've brought on, you know, I, I not only have brought on a lot of the girls from rock of love, a lot of the girls from flavor of love, real chance of love, but also I, I brought on guys from, I love New York guys from yeah. Daisy of love and 99% of people I brought on are so charismatic and so fun to listen to and so charming in their own way. And it, it makes, and everybody's got a great story to tell. So it, it, when, you know, I'm watching these people, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, God, these are like, these are all really interesting, really awesome people. And the fact that people still care about their story really just proves that. Yeah. 100%. Well, I'll tell you what I think, and you can just tell me if you agree or not. I feel like it's harder to cast a show with men. I feel like men are just kind of inherently less likable, like Daisy of Love. I, I just don't like it as much. I, I like Daisy a lot, but the guys on the show, just I just don't connect with them in the same way. And my wife feels the same way. Or The Bachelor, same thing. Like the ones with a female cast, to me, just seems like are inherently more likable to a larger audience. That's a really good perspective. I've had this conversation with my husband before, you know, about the difference between like girls on reality TV versus guys on reality TV. And he brought up a really great point. He's like, if you get a bunch of women in a house and get them wasted and then get them confrontational and competitive, it's just going to be a bunch of screaming, yelling chicks. But he's like, if you get a bunch of dudes in a house and get them all liquored up and get them, you know, uh, competitive yeah. and confrontational. That's a whole other set of problems that you're going to have. <laughs> it's it's not cute or fun. You're just like, guys, shut the fuck up. Well, it's just like it also might lead to like dudes punching each other, you know, like. Yeah. And, and it's not entertaining. It's just like, I don't know. It's just it's it, like frightening, <laughs> frightening and just dumb. And yeah, it's not it's not entertaining to me. And I, I think that. The Bachelor is a lot more popular than The Bachelorette. I could be wrong about that, but it, it seems to work better commercially, too, to have a, a, a female cast. I just feel like guys have to, like, hold back a little bit, you know? But that said, though, there was definitely a few really funny characters. I mean, for sure, there were some funny characters on Daisy of Love. There was a few good ones on um, on uh, I Love New York. Mm -hmm. But but overall, I feel like there are more entertaining women like percentage wise per show than there were the guys yeah okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. 
But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, from doing the podcast, what have been kind of your most eye-opening uh, insights about who is watching this stuff? As far as like, oh, I didn't realize that like younger people, for example, what are some surprising things you've learned about the audience for this stuff? What's interesting is how far reaching the popularity of these shows is of course the majority of the people is here in the united states but i'm getting people from you know from the uk from germany from south america from australia so that's what's pretty amazing to me is that people who live all over the world have enjoyed these shows i have a a really large fan base of people in the lgbtq community which i i think is really awesome um I really appreciate that because I'm a big um, supporter and ally of, of the LGBTQ community. But what I really like about, about the fans is, is there's definitely a lot of diversity. Like, I mean, people from all walks of life are, are fans of this. And part of the reason I know is because similar to you, how you have your Patreon supporters, I do something similar. And one of the rewards is that um, people can pay a contribution every month to the podcast. And one of the rewards is that they get to do a half hour Skype chat with me once a month. And What's really cool is the people I Skype with. I mean, first of all, I was like, oh God, I hope I'm not going to get any like creepy weirdos, you know, but to be honest, I haven't even gotten one and I end up liking these people way more than I ever anticipated. Like it's really fun. But what's cool is I have people that are as young as like 20 years old and as old as like in their sixties, I've got gay people, straight people, white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. I mean, it, it is like, it is the, the true diversity of you know, human beings. And I, I really appreciate that and, and dig that a lot. Cause that just shows this is something that's, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're into. This is entertainment literally for everybody. That's kind of what I like about 
you know, like that video I did about Rock of Love, which actually ended up being really popular. It has almost half a million views now. Nice. Is exactly that, that it brings in an audience that's a lot more like diverse and broad and friendly than the one I get on most of my stuff. It's like, I feel like reality TV is like, as corny as it sounds, it's almost like the the common denominator that everybody kind of likes and can relate to. And it, it really like brings people together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very well said. Uh, you know, and also there's like, there's nothing divisive in it, I think is one of the main right. things. Cause like e even music, like as much as, you know, we all love music, uh, there's divisiveness in that, yeah, you lots know? Of it. Um, yeah, lots of that. And then, you know, of course, and there was like, just our world is, is divisive in so many different areas. But I think this is one of the, the main things that like there truly is no divisiveness and, and it's it's a feel good thing. So everybody can come together and and uh, it doesn't matter what your political affiliations are or what kind of music you're into or whatever. Everybody enjoys this and they can enjoy it together. Yeah, like the comments in my videos get super nasty because I like this band or I don't like that band and people want to call me all kinds of terrible names because of that. But nobody's calling names, at least, I mean, I'm sure it happens, but nobody's calling names, you know, because I'm on team Sam instead of you know, <laughs> team Heather or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just have fun with it. Absolutely. And it's crazy because like music is such an amazing aspect of our society and culture. And, you know, we all love music so much, but it's really strange because as much as music makes us feel like love and passion, love for music, not love in general, but love yeah. for music. It's really weird. Cause then you see like the total opposite, like people are like, I hate that band. I hate them. I hate, right. like, you know, I'm like, it's a band. Like, why do you feel hatred? Just change the channel or don't listen to it. So it's, it is really, it's, it's always been funny to me how, how that becomes a thing, but, um, but yeah, I think that's the main reason why people gravitate towards this. And another thing I will say, I don't know why this is, but fans of these shows today are a lot nicer and a lot more forgiving than when the shows first aired back in 2007, hmm. 2008, people were fucking vicious. <laughs> they were creative and the horrible things that they said, and you had to have a thick skin in, in order to endure that, which I feel like I navigated fairly well, but I know for a fact, some of the other girls had a really rough, rough time with that. Have you talked to any of them about that on your show? Yes. Yes, I have. And, and a lot of people, it was really pretty devastating for them. You know, what are some examples of that? Well, it made a lot of people depressed. Like people went into like full-blown depression and anxiety and stuff because of it. I mean, you gotta remember these girls were called, you know, whores and sluts and they're fat and they're ugly and she's disease ridden. And she looks like she's crazy. She's just the like most like hateful, nasty shit you could say about somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I didn't realize until I did this podcast, how much people, not, not, a, not all of them. I feel like people fell into one or two categories. You, you either ask them, how, you know, how would you describe your experience on the of love shows? And they either say, I had a great time. It was so much fun. I would love to do it again. Or they'd be like, that was the worst decision I ever made in my life. I, I was miserable for years afterwards. I was depressed. I was anxious. Um, I didn't want to show my face. I, I couldn't go online. You know, I mean, it was like, it was full blown bullying a lot of times, but um, what I, and I didn't realize until I did this podcast, how much that really truly affected people. Have you looked at any of like Perez Hilton's stuff from back then? Like the no, stuff he, I 
stay away from it. <laughs> Dude, it is so horrible and hateful. Yeah. And I think he recognizes that now. I, I'm pretty sure he's like kind of apologized for that. But and it's not just him, like the tone in general that we use. This is like when Britney Spears was having a meltdown and stuff like. Yes. The way we talked about like celebrities back then was so hateful. And, you know, to some extent, that is what you sign up for when you, you know, become a public figure. But there's a, a line where it's just like you just feel like people were trying to, like, destroy these people as like humans just for like, you know, what they did on a TV show and like chill the fuck out. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And one of the one of the thoughts that I have on all of this is like, you're right to a degree when you sign up to be in the public eye. You know, maybe you, you you should, in theory, know what you're getting yourself into. But you have to remember, a lot of people didn't realize how huge this show was going to be. And, and in fact, a lot of people told me they didn't even know that Brett Michaels was going to be the Bachelor when they came on. They just heard it was like just a, a rock star. You know, that's all they knew. And um, and they just like me, they're like, well, that sounds like that could be fun. You know, having no idea really what what was going to, you know, how big the show is going to be. But if, if you think about people who do acting or people who are musicians, most of them have representation. Most of them have an agent, a manager or something. So you have somebody who's in your corner that you can either like, if you're having a, a, um, a situation where you're getting a lot of hate or whatever, they can help you navigate that, or they can help you with damage control. Or if the press says something shitty, they'll be like, I know somebody over there, I'll call them and smooth it over. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of these people have professional guidance. However, reality stars, first of all, are not even allowed to have a union. Like SAG doesn't represent reality oh, I didn't stars. Know so that. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why that is. Is it because they felt like threatened by reality TV or something? It might be something having to do with that. Like, I know writers were not happy with yeah, reality right. TV for a long time because it, it eliminated a lot of their jobs. But I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, so reality stars, these, okay, you have to remember, these are like started out as regular people who never were, most of them were not in entertainment, didn't do acting, didn't do music. Some of them did. Most of them didn't. They didn't have a manager, didn't have an agent, didn't have anybody who was professional to guide them. These are just regular people off the street that are like, oh, this show sounds like fun. And they were not prepared or expecting for the onslaught of negativity that came their way. And that's why they, so many of them had such a hard time dealing with it, you know, and, and I feel sorry for the people who had that, you know, for me personally, I was in music. So I, I was already kind of had an idea about what this is going to be. So I had an advantage there. And also I wasn't doing this for this reason. I, I, I did the villain character because I wanted to make good TV and I wanted more of the camera time as much as possible. But what I didn't realize until now was creating that character actually protected me psychologically because because they're not talking about you. They're talking about the character. Exactly. Exactly. And I wasn't even doing it for that reason. But now looking back, I'm like, holy shit, that was I'm so glad I did it that way for that exact reason. Yeah. Where someone else who was really just trying to put on their best authentic version of themselves and was hated for it was like, wow, millions of people hate me. Yes. That doesn't yes. feel good. Exactly. Exactly. And I have no one to talk to about it. And sometimes people's only family, family members would, you know, be ashamed of them or be embarrassed. And, you know, one of the things too, that was like particularly challenging and people can, when they hear what I'm about to say, they can go, well, I wouldn't do that, but you don't know until you're there. 
When you're on these shows, they deprive you of everything. They take away your cell phone. You have no internet access. You can't go online. You can't email anybody. You can't talk on the phone. You can't read a book. You can't listen to music. You can't read a magazine. You can't do anything. They take everything away. You're stripped. And so for somebody who lead, who normally leads a really busy life and has always got you know stuff to do, it's, it's bizarre to be like, uh, you know, what do I do? And there's so much downtime there. People don't realize how much downtime there is. Well, there's a pile of alcohol over there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like every kind. And then, you know, when you are in, of course, a group environment and a few of them start drinking and they're having fun, like, Hey, come over here, take a shot with us. You know, it, it's easy to go down that, that road. And so, you know, they're just pumping you through full of alcohol constantly. And then of course, that's where like all the true craziness comes from, you know? And so that's, of course, nobody makes good decisions after they've done shots and all that. So, um, and you sort of know that it's not your job to like make good decisions. It's sort of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the producers are, are there to make the story and, you know, um, people just also get caught up in it. You get, you, you don't, you don't have anybody you can call to bounce off ideas from or go like, Hey, loved one, you know, the producers want me to, to do this or that. What do you think? You know, and, and all the meanwhile, the producers are, are, are so good at their jobs and they're so likable and they really come across as like, they're your friend and they have great personalities and they're <laughs> Talk funny you into and, walking right off the cliff. Yes. Yes. And they're good at it. And I don't care who you are or how strong you are. They, they make it so that you bring your guard down and they go, Oh, Lacey, or oh, whoever, if you're so funny, if you, if you said this, or if you, if you did that, that'd be hilarious. It'd be so funny. And you're like, I want to be funny. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. say the dumbass thing that is going to get me in trouble, you know, because you have no one there to go. Um, that's a really bad idea. Maybe don't say that or don't do that. Or maybe don't drink all the alcohol. You have no Nobody there looking out for you. And the producers make you think they're looking out for you, but they're looking out for the show. Would you say that that is true? Like of the people you've talked to on your podcast, is, is that kind of a common thing for everybody who's been on reality TV? Yes, 100%. And do people feel, or I guess I should say, do you feel like you were manipulated or do you feel like that's just the nature of the game? Or how, how do you feel about that? It depends on who you ask. I feel like they try to manipulate everybody. They try yeah. to manipulate everybody. Um, but I was so on board their thing and they were so on board my thing as far as the villain thing. It was it was kind of like a collaborative effort. So you went into it with your eyes open and you you knew what was going on and maybe some people don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I first walked under the show, the reason I was like, this can't really be for love is because as I started out by saying I was a big flavor of love fan and I'm watching the show and it's like flavor of love is like, I'm going to, I'm here for love. And okay. I picked a winner and we're like, all oh, right, play found love. And then, and then season two, Oh, that didn't work out. So now I'm trying to find love again. Like, Oh, I found another, you know, my here, this person is my person. And then like season three, Oh, that didn't work out. So now I'm going to try again. I'm like, okay, dude, I, I call bullshit on this. Right. <laughs> you know, How many seasons of this can we do? Right. So based on how Flavor Flav happened, I was quite doubtful <laughs> going in that this was really a for love situation. And that's when I asked Brett the question and got the answer. Right. Well, switching gears a bit, I've talked to a lot of people who have their own podcast or YouTube channel or whatever, and they want to reach out to do interviews and stuff like you have. How do you go about booking your guests? I know there's some people, obviously the people who are on the shows that you worked on are, are easy, but once you get outside of that, how do you go about getting reaching out to some of these people that are you know from a show you have nothing to do with? 
you know, it's prime. I primarily found these people on social media and where I haven't found them, the fans of the podcast and other shows have been freaking amazing. I can't tell you how many times I get emails from people that are like, they're like little detectives. They're uh-huh. like, they're like, uh, like I have my own agency group with the fans of these shows and of the podcast. And they're like, Oh my God, Lacey, I found so-and-so from, from flavor of love here. She is on you know Facebook or whatever. And, and they'll like, and it, it'll be people like, like aren't using their real name or aren't using their show name or only using their real name, or maybe they've gotten married. So their last name is different or whatever. And like, they've been really good at finding people for me. So that's been incredibly helpful. Occasionally um, I get people who um, will reach out to me directly like, Hey, you know, I hear you have a podcast. I'd love to come on, but primarily social media. Yeah, I saw that with um, with my video. I mentioned Charles, you know, Daisy's boyfriend, and there were like thirty people in the comments who like knew him and was like, "Oh, he used to work at this bar, and I used to see his band, and you know, he used to hang out at this restaurant that we were." I'm like, "God, this is crazy." Yeah, yeah, people are like invested in these people's lives. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I mean, you think about and and, and I guess to your point earlier, like it's easy to forget how many people saw these shows. And when there's that many eyeballs on something, tens or hundreds of millions of people, there's somebody out there who knows where this guy or girl lives now. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely still some people that have um, completely scrubbed themselves from the internet seemingly. And that's kind of sad because that tells me that they had such a horrible experience that they like, just don't want to be found. Like for instance, um, Jess, who was the winner of rock of love one, I really wanted to get her on the podcast. And, and also you have to remember, I also have the added challenge of like, Hey, so I know I was a complete fucking oh, asshole right, right. to you on the show, <laughs> but please come on my, my podcast. And I promise you, I won't fuck with you. So that's been a, a bit of a challenge, but I have managed to There's been a couple that like just won't give me the time of day. But to be honest, I I don't blame them. Yeah, I saw on Reddit. There's like one video of her from like four years ago or something that someone found on Facebook. And that's like the only trace of her on the Internet. Yeah, well, somebody is friends with her husband and reached out to me and said, hey, if you want to contact her husband or whatever, here is here he is on um, on Facebook. I'm like. That's kind of bordering on. I try not to contact weird, people's family yeah. members, but I, I I really wanted to just give it a shot because I knew people really loved Jess and really wanted to hear from her. And so I kind of had to do like this very gentle, like, hey, so sorry to bother you. And I know I was a total bitch to your wife <laughs> and I apologize, by the way, but you know, and then I do my whole sales pitch and everything. But um, he responded and he was very nice. And he was just like, you know, Jess is just doesn't really want to revisit that time of her life. And, and I get that answer quite a bit. Just, I don't, well, I'm just going to pretend like that whole thing didn't happen. I'm like, man, that sucks. Like that's sad that people feel that way. Cause it was supposed to be a fun thing, but you know, I, if I were, I can't speak for Jess cause I'm not friends with her. I'm not in her head, but if I were to guess, I know a lot of these girls felt duped And, um, you know, they really, the ones that really did think that Brett Michaels was available and and we can't go like, oh, what an idiot, because like everything was suggesting that this was really how it was being presented to be. So a lot of these girls just trusted it and were like, oh, I want to be with Brett Michaels. He's really nice. And he treats me great. I feel good when I'm around him. He's super charming and charismatic. He's not so bad looking either. And he's a big rock star who wouldn't want to be on paper. That looks great. And so then when it wasn't quote unquote real, um, people felt duped. They felt made a fool of, and, and 
they got their heart broken. I mean, how many times have you had someone like you wanted to be with like, uh, yeah, I don't want to be with you, you know? And then uh, and like, oh, and by the way, millions of people are going to watch you look like an idiot, you know, and get. And do you want to talk about it 10 years later? Be like, nah, I'm good. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so that's, that's sad that that is a thing, you know, but, but that is how it is for many people. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about your brand? I mean, I think, you know, from conversations like this and watching your podcast and stuff, I think people, you know, probably realize that you're not the character that you played, but a lot of people don't. How do you feel about that now? I'm really good with it. It's really strange. I've, I adopted a philosophy like probably in junior high school of like, which was my coping mechanism back then, which is the only people's opinions that I care about are, are those of my family, friends, and loved ones. And everybody else can go, you know, fuck off. You know, it's, 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 you know, people's, what people think of me is none of my business, you know? And so if, if people hate me or whatever, I also know it's, um, it, it was for, if they got to know me, they probably wouldn't, you know, but, but it's not my job to change everybody's mind. But if they, if they do change their mind, then, then that's great. You know, because I feel like I have a lot to offer outside of, um, outside of just rock of love. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, I hope that they join in the conversation that, that, that I like to have with, you know, the world, but yeah, I, you know, to be honest, Finn, I, I know this is really hard to believe, but like, I'm okay with it. I had a great time being a, a villain character. I, I hope people get to see the real me, but even if they don't, I, I would imagine that they had fun watching Rock of Love and my villain asshole character was a part of that. So I think it's all for the greater good of entertainment. I kind of struggle with it a bit. Like I don't play a villain necessarily, but I have a lot of unpopular opinions and I get a lot of negative feedback on that. And I don't go out of my way to like piss people off. It just happens. And <laughs> I get so much like negative feedback and and I don't like it. You know, it's like I don't care what they think necessarily. But at the same time, it just gets tiring to hear hundreds and hundreds of people like call you an idiot, you know, as as you know, I'm sure it can be hard. I mean, you have to learn to dismiss it. And it's, it's like something that you kind of have to work at. But, you know, you just have to focus on valuing the people that appreciate you and enjoy you, even if it's just people in the comments. I, I remember growing up, um, this is a long time ago. Um, I remember hearing Oprah Winfrey in some interview, and this is back like way before the internet when it was like fan mail. And she's like, I remember she said specifically, she's like, I'll get like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of mail from fans going like, Oprah, I love you. You changed my life for the better. You're amazing. Da, da, da. And she's like, I'll get one letter, one letter of the thousands telling me what a terrible person I am. And she's like, that just destroys my whole day. You know, and she's like, I can't get past it. And we as human beings are social creatures and we are designed to get along with each other and live amongst each other and, 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 you know, have friendships and, and social bonds and all that. So yeah, that kind of thing hurts. But as I said, for me, knowing that I was going to be in the public eye, I'm like, I have to condition myself to be dismissive of these kinds of comments. And I, and I know occasionally I'll hear one that like, oh man, like, ouch, like that's kind of a, you know, but I, just, I have to just go, you know what? It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay for that person to feel the way they do. That's all right. I will move on and focus on the people who are enjoying what it is that I do. I've just sort of 
recently, as much as I don't want to be this person necessarily, I'm like, well, I guess I'm just the person with unpopular opinions that's going to be a lightning rod for this certain kind of person to like criticize and talk shit about. And, uh, you know, that's okay. I mean, as long as they're consuming my content and paying attention to me, then that's a win for me. And I don't go out of my way to antagonize people. It just happens naturally. (laughs) I feel you on that. But I'm just sort of accepting, like, I guess I'm going to be the person with unpopular opinions that this certain set of people doesn't like, and that's okay. But you do realize, though, that it's it's not you personally, it's you on the internet. And yes. anybody, there, there is no amount of niceness or beauty or, or anything that um, you can be. Exactly. There's nothing I could do or say that's like going to please these people because what they want is somebody who will mirror their exact opinions expressed in the exact yes. way that they would express them. And obviously I can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and here's the thing, like Megan, Megan Merkel. Okay. I, I was never like, a, I never really paid attention to the Royal family, but when I learned about her, I'm like, God, she's such a great person. Like she's so nice and she's so pretty. And she does like humanitarian things and like, you know, helps children in third world countries. Yeah. Like what a perfect, perfect human being. And she's like, worked before she got married. Like mm-hmm. she, she had a career. She's driven. She's ambitious. You're beautiful. I, and I'm like, this woman could do no wrong. And then when I found out like, oh my God, like half the population hates her guts. I'm like, what? Oh, do they? I didn't know that. I only learned this recently. It's a bunch of dumb, like, you know, um, pop culture, right. awesome drama. But, but my point being is like, there's nothing that you could do to make yourself exempt from hatred. Yeah. And especially on the internet. And so also the way I look at it is, I don't want strangers on the internet to control my emotions. I yes. want to be in charge of my own emotions. And if I'm going to be upset about something, I want it to be something that like generally, genuinely affects my personal life. Like, cause with the computer, I'll, if somebody is talking about your shit, you can just be like, you know what, guess what? Bye. And just hang, hang up the phone and close the computer. And you know what? They don't exist anymore. So like I, I, my whole thing also is like, I'm just, I'm not going to let people control my feelings and how, how I feel. So, and as I said, like for you, I, I don't, you know, I hate to break it to you, but I don't think this is exclusive for you, you know? No, it's you're, definitely you're, not. So it's just, it's just, if you're on the internet, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's, I think that's wise words, uh, coming from somebody who has spent 10 years being hated on the internet. So you, <laughs> exactly. you know, as well as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. La- last question I have, um, before I let you go, since I've already taken up enough of your time, but, uh, I know that you have a bunch of beautiful dogs. Can you talk a little bit about the, uh, animal stuff that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate you for asking. I have been a huge lover of animals my whole life. I grew up riding horses. Um, I've always had dogs. I I really love all animals and I became um, an animal rights activist. I try to be like a relatively like in the center animal rights. Like I'm not even a vegan, you know, I, I appreciate people who are, but I really am all about inclusivity. Like if you love animals, we need you on board. I'm not going to judge how you love animals. If you just love them, we need you. We need you to help protect them and, and pass laws that protect them and that sort of thing. So I'm very, I'm very kind of loose with that, but I am definitely an activist because 
I am always involved in, um, you know, the legislative end of things. And I also open, I started up my own dog rescue group in 2007 called Heroes Canine Rescue. Basically what I would do is I would go to, this is when I was living in Los Angeles, their shelters are so overcrowded. People just, you know, treat dogs as, you know, and cats as expendable. Mm -hmm. They throw them away. Um, so I would go to the shelters and basically the dogs and cats that had been there the longest, um, are the ones that are first in line to be euthanized. So I would get, it's called the red list. I would get the red listed dogs. And, and actually I rescued a few cats as well along the way. Um, I would get them out of the shelter because most of these dogs are amazing and all they need is a little bit more time. Um, and a little bit of like promotion, if you will, you know, if you go to the shelter, you don't know anything about the dog. The staff doesn't know anything about the dog, but if you get a dog from a rescue group, they can be like, oh yeah, this dog is, is like, you know, is, is, has a lot of energy. It would be good for a jogger or it's a little bit more laid back. It'd be good for kids or whatever. So the dogs just need like some, you know, some time and, and a little bit of promotion. And so, you know, I ended up adopting, rescuing, fostering and adopting about a hundred plus dogs in the oh, years wow. that I did the rescue. Um, now, uh, I currently have great Danes. I'm all about the, the great Danes. Um, so I have, um, I, I had three, one sadly just passed away. So I've got two now. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just always for advocating for people to just, um, be aware that animals need a voice too. And anything that you can do, you don't have to be the perfect, like, Oh, I don't eat, you know, anything that falls from a tree, you know, you, you can, you can still live your life and fight for animals. And, and we need these laws passed to make sure that animals are, um, are, are treated in the way that they deserve. Important stuff. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more? I have social media accounts on, you know, all the main ones, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of that. Um, the main one I'm on though, that I spend the most time on is Instagram. And, um, fortunately I have a unique name, Lacey Skulls. My last name is S C U L L S. So if you just look up Lacey Skulls, you'll find me. But, um, uh, also if you go online on Instagram and look up, um, at talk of love podcast, or the big one is YouTube. That's where, um, my podcast is. So just go to youtube.com slash talk of love. It's also on, uh, Spotify and Apple podcasts and all that good stuff. Go check it out. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.